Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein, and we are joined by our special guest, Mike McAllister of All Syracuse on SI. Mike, how are you doing today? Great, guys. How are you? We're doing well. So we want to talk to you a little bit about the Syracuse recruiting class. My first question is, how does this class stack up to years past? Well, as of right now, it's ranked. it would be the highest-ranked class in the Dino Babers era. It's ranked 46th nationally. It'd be the first time that they've been inside of the top 50. And they've got a pair of four-stars in, in cornerback Deuce Chestnut and offensive lineman Enrique Cruz. So I, I think they've done a nice job at finding some guys that might have blown up if, if it had been a normal year and there had been um, you know camps and, and visits and all those types of things, finding some of those under-the-radar guys. Um, I, I would look at a guy like Josh Huff, the running back from Pennsylvania, who was recently named SI All-American Freak of the Week for averaging over 60 yards a carry in his most recent game. Uh, those type of guys, I think, would would have garnered much more interest had they been able to participate in camps and show off their abilities in front of some coaches. So the fact that the, the coaching staff landed some of those guys, did a good job studying the, their film and, and finding guys that fit well, the ranking stacks up as, as as well as any class that they've had. They've got a couple of four stars, which would tie them for the most they've had in a single class. So I, I think it's it's shaping up to be the best one in the Babers era. I want to ask you about Josh Huff. He was, as you just mentioned, recently named SI's Freak of the Week. 243 rushing yards, three touchdowns on just four carries. That's freaky, okay? Is he, is he legit or is this kind of – a lightning in a bottle, hey, you had a good game, good for him type of thing. It's it's not lightning in a bottle because he's averaging over 25 yards a carry on the season. I mean, this is he is a really good prospect. Now, it should be mentioned, he's not playing in the highest level of um, Pennsylvania high school football. It's not, you know, elite level Florida or Texas football, but it's still Pittsburgh area football, Philadelphia area football. It's still, um, you know, high level high school um, football in the state of Pennsylvania. And that's exactly what you want your guy to do when you're playing against, you know, a lot of players that are on the undersized side is he should be dominating them. And he is, and it reminds me, although they're different style runners, different size and et cetera, of a local prospect that used to run all over inferior defensive players when he was in high school, uh, one Mike Hart or even Latavius Murray, both out of Onondaga Central, they put up monster numbers, and there were doubters that said that's just because of the level of competition. And we know Latavius Murray's still in the NFL now after a good college career at UCF, and Mike Hart was uh, one of the best runners in Michigan history and went on to play in the NFL um, as well. So, you know, I'm not saying he's going to end up as an NFL running back, but I'm saying that in and of itself, the level of competition isn't indicative of anything. He's doing what you want him to do, which is dominating those guys. And he's a big physical back that I think fits perfectly in what Dino wants to do in the ground. We're joined on Fizz Radio by Mike McAllister of All Syracuse, part of the Sports Illustrated Now Network. Mike, is there a recruit besides maybe Josh Huff in this recruiting class that when you think about you think, oh, this guy is just incredibly underrated? Yeah, I think Landon Morris, I don't think he gets enough of enough attention. And he's coming into Syracuse as a tight end. Um, he had Power 5 offers from the, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, um, as well as the ACC. And 
committed to Syracuse. There was some question as to whether he had a committable offer at some other schools, but regardless of that, he's a guy who's about 6'5", 220, 230, runs routes like a wide receiver, has that kind of speed like a wide receiver, almost plays similar to Jamal Custis, who had success at Syracuse in a lot of ways. But Syracuse is bringing him in kind of as like a flex tight end who can move around the formation, present some matchup problems with, with the opposition one of those too big for a defensive back, but too fast for a linebacker types. I don't think he gets enough attention in terms of what he could be in this class. And then I'll point out um, a couple of linebackers, Malik Matthew and Austin Rune. Um, Those are two guys who are extremely athletic. You look at what Syracuse has done at the linebacker position, the young guys that they have right now, uh, Michael Jones, uh, Jeff Cantu, those types of guys, and, and even the Stefan Thompson, who's, who's been in there, Marlo Wax, those really athletic, quick type of linebackers who also have a frame to add some good weight to it. And both Rune and Matthew fit that mold as guys that, that are athletic enough that they could make an impact right away and in a couple of years could be uh, high-impact guys. Mike, uh, a, lot, a lot of the Syracuse fans really want to know about this offensive line. Even after last week, it looked like they took a step up That's been the Achilles heel of this team, especially this season. And we have five offensive line recruiting uh, commits that we've we've seen in this class. Is this the class that SU finally improves that offensive line? You hope so. But here's the problem when when you land good offensive line recruits is there's a very select few of offensive line recruits that are going to come in and make a huge impact right away. Those are usually the high four and five-star types that are going to the Alabamas and the Georgias and, and those types, those type of schools where they can play right away. And if they don't pan out, the backup option to those is another four or five star recruit. If you are at Syracuse and you get a guy like Enrique Cruz, who's a four star offensive tackle, he needs to come in and be and be what you think he is as a recruit. If you miss on him, there's not another elite offensive lineman waiting in the wings that can step up and you don't feel uh, the the burden of that miss at a place like Syracuse. So I do like what they've got along the offensive line. They got two players, two offensive linemen out of Hawaii, which is not something we've seen um, at Syracuse, which is kind of an interesting little twist there. And then Cruz, as I mentioned, I I think the guys are strong. They've got good feet. They move well. um, And they've got potential to be impact players along the offensive line. But I don't think we'll really know if these, if this group is, uh, the, the one that can get Syracuse back to an above average offensive line like they had in 2018, probably until two or three years down the down the line. Mike McAllister of All Syracuse, the Sports Illustrated channel, joins us here on Fizz Radio. Mike, Tommy DeVito kind of solidified himself as the starter after the Georgia Tech win, and there's already some discussion about who's going to be the next guy up. How does Justin Lampson compare to current Syracuse quarterbacks when they were recruits? Well, Justin Lampson would be the highest ranked or most coveted of that group outside of DeVito. We know DeVito was a four-star. Um, he made a lot of waves when he made a run to the Elite 11 finals and, and got a lot of accolades. And Matt Hasselbeck was talking him up as part of that whole thing. And um, so coming in, Tommy DeVito was going to be the most hyped. But I think Justin Lampson falls in right behind him um, as probably your your second most hyped, second most coveted, second highest ranked. And 
<clears throat> different from Tommy DeVito. He's someone who does make plays with his legs. You know, DeVito is fast. He, he's faster than he's given credit for. He can take off when there's a lane there, as we've seen him do several times this year. But he's not an Eric Dungy where you're going to do designed runs for him. He's not going to lower a shoulder, run a guy over. And he's not going to take over a game with his legs and rush for 60, 70, 80 yards when you really need that spark offensively. Justin Lamson can be one of those types of players. He's not the exact same type of runner as Eric Dungy, but in terms of the way he plays, the attitude with which he plays the game, and his winning mentality, along with some gamesmanship, some toughness, all those types of things, he does remind me a little bit of, of Eric Dungy in terms of, of the way he plays, so in terms of his attitude. I think he's the guy, if you're looking at the future, that if you're if you're a stock market guy and you're who's who's the best bet, he'd be the guy that I think you'd want to buy the most stock in. Well, Mike, talking about stock and hype, Deuce Chestnut has plenty of it, but he was downgraded from a four-star to a three-star. We know this. Is there any reason as to why? So this was here's, – here's what I'll explain. So on 24-7, which, which is where I used to work before switching over to Sports Illustrated, if you go to a player's profile, they've got two rankings. They've got the composite – which is the average of 24-7 ESPN and Rivals. <clears throat> and then underneath that, they've got 24-7's individual ranking. 24-7's individual ranking, which is just their own, he was a three-star the entire time. He was a high three-star, but he was always a three-star. He was a four-star on the composite because Rivals had him as a top 150 player overall in the class, a top 10 player at his position, and so a very high four-star caliber player that moved his composite up to a four-star. Shortly after he committed, Rivals dropped him from being in the top 150 to being outside of the top 300 and going from a top 10 player at his position to a top 25 player at his position. And although he stayed a four-star on there because he dropped so much in their overall rankings, it got rid of one of his stars on the composite. Now, why Rivals did that, I honestly don't know. I think it's curious to have someone drop that much when they've been as high of a four-star as he had been on their system uh, for as long as he had been, simply because there hasn't been any – when he got dropped, there hadn't been any new tape. There had been no summer camps. He hadn't done anything that in front of anyone that would have said, oh, he's not quite as good as I thought he was because I saw him and he's not faster, he's smaller, his technique is worse or anything like that. Nothing had happened and they dropped him. So I know there were conspiracy theories out there about the fact that he got dropped just because he committed to Syracuse. Uh, I would like to think that's not the case, but I don't have the answer as to why rivals decided to drop him. Regardless of why they might have done it, Syracuse, like you mentioned, just like Deuce Chestnut, has a lot of really talented guys in this recruiting class. I think you said, Mike, the best since Cena Babers has been here. And this season, Syracuse is relying a lot on a lot of true freshmen. Is this 2021 class capable of similar immediate production, if need be? It's funny because when I was asked that same question um, for the 2020 class, I didn't think that they were going to have to rely on a lot of those guys for immediate impact. But then you have Andre Cisco going down before uh, the game against Georgia Tech, and all of a sudden Robert Hanna has to play a lot of snaps. You have Eric Coley, you know, he, he seemed to be out for, for some snaps, and they put Jihad Carter in there, and he made some plays. So um, it's hard to say whether or not they will need that to happen. You'd hope that that wouldn't be the case. 
but you know, they've got some guys who can come in and make some plays. Elijah Fuentes along the defensive line is a guy who's, uh, you know, physical, but also has some, some quick twitch to him. So he could play on there. Uh, Terry Lockett is a guy who they've talked about moving all over the defensive line. So they could use him in a variety of ways. Same thing with Hayden Nelson. Um, you know, so Josh Huff, I think is probably your guy that might be, um, the most likely depending on the status of Jarvie on Howard and Abdul Adams going forward, you know, they're opting out this year, but do they come back? Do they not? We don't know. Um, I think because of his physicality and because the running back position is the easiest transition from high school to college, he's got a chance uh, to play right away. And then, you know, if something were to happen to Tommy DeVito where he got hurt and he needed a quarterback to fill in for a couple of games, then Justin Lampson has an opportunity to be that guy. He'd be certainly be in the mix. So it's hard to predict one or two specific guys that definitely will, but I do think that there's probably eight to 10 that will have the potential to contribute if needed. Well, Mike, at the end of the day, when you're on the Syracuse recruiting trail, it's all about the future. Anyone that Syracuse fans should keep an eye on as to as to who can commit maybe tomorrow or the day after, maybe what does the future look like for Syracuse recruiting? Yeah, in the 2021 class, um, they've got 21 players committed, ironically, um, and they're just about full. So they are looking at a cornerback out of Suncoast High School in Florida named Will Wells, and he's about a 6'1 corner, great length. Syracuse is recruiting him really hard. Utah is after him. Washington State also after him. Um, he's pretty much the top uncommitted target. And then there's been, um, you know, some some buzz behind the scenes that Syracuse is still pursuing Elijah Clark, who's a four-star defensive back, currently committed to Rutgers. But he is a teammate of Deuce Chestnut at Camden High in New Jersey. So you know that Deuce Chestnut's in his ear about trying to get him to flip from Rutgers to Syracuse so they could both come up and play up at Syracuse. And you know, obviously, that with, with what Syracuse defensive backs have done in the last couple of years, and especially this season, Trill Williams earning some, some um, you know, ACC recognition, Andre Sisco, a preseason All-American, and, and what he's done since he's been at Syracuse is well-documented, and then a couple of true freshmen making some impact plays this past Saturday. That's got to intrigue a young defensive back prospect. So, um, you know, he, he recently told the Rutgers 24-7 site that he's all Rutgers. Uh, he's still 100% committed there, but I do know that Syracuse is still um, involved there that's pretty much all that's left for the 2021 class. And so they can take the rest of their resources and look towards the 2022 class, which might end up being a little bit smaller than normal because the pandemic didn't cost players this year, a year of eligibility. They may end up having a little bit of a scholarship crunch for the 2022 and 2023 seasons. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, but those classes will probably be a little bit smaller than normal. It should be really encouraging to the Syracuse fan base to already have most of that 2021 class filled out. And you can find all of Mike McAllister's work at All Syracuse, part of the Sports Illustrated Now Network. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. And when we come back, we're going to get into your questions. It's Fizz Feedback right after the break, only on the score 1260.